we're going to talk this morning about pretty moms and pretty people. And we've got a picture of a pretty mom to, uh, to kind of kick off the service. That is a pretty chick, isn't it? In case you're wondering, that pastor is a sicko. That is my wife. It is okay for me to say that she is a looker. She may be kind of mean, but she is good looking, right? <laughs> Teasing, honey. <laughs> okay, take that off or I'll be mesmerized the whole sermon. You know, in our country, we are obsessed with beauty, aren't we? We really, we really are, and there's nothing wrong with trying to be pretty, In 2011, the latest stats I could find, in America, we had 9.2 million cosmetic surgeries, 9.2 elective cosmetic surgeries. Now, you do the math, uh, if you're doing those five days a week, uh, over 50 weeks a year, whatever, that is a lot, a lot, a lot of surgeries. In fact, in America alone, we spent... $10.4 billion getting prettier by cosmetic surgeries in 2011. By the way, men, a lot of that is not women. That is men too. You know, one of the things I read this week, one of the things that's coming more common is chin work, getting your chin redone. And I thought about going in this week and saying, can you you trim me down to just two chins? You know, four is a little uncomfortable. Can we? But chin work. Uh, Because we are a country that loves being pretty, don't we? And this morning in 1 Peter 3, we're going to look at being pretty. Now, if you're a woman and you're honest and you're not insane, you want to be pretty. And again, that's fine. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that at all. And most of you men, you're going, well, you're macho. You don't want to. You know, if your wife told you that you were pretty, you'd like it. If you're not married and some significant woman told you you were pretty, you would like it. The thing we're going to see from God's economy is that his idea of pretty and attractive is way different from ours. He's not opposed to the makeup and to the chin tucks and all that, I guess. But he says there's a deeper thing that's got to be addressed if you really want to be attractive. So here's the big thought this morning that we need to put our hands on and try to accomplish with our lives. When you... Develop a submissive, leadable spirit. This is what will make you attractive. In this passage today, and and notice I put developing. In other words, this is fully possible. It's fully possible not to do this, proven by the fact that most people aren't doing this. But when you go through life, and you want to do life God's way, by the way, this is not an option. This is not a, you know, can I do this or do I have to do this? This is not an option. But when you develop a teachable, submissive, leadable spirit, this makes you an attractive man or woman or young person. In 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1 through 5. Now, ladies, you're going to be mad at me at first, but we're going to expand this in a moment to talk to everybody because this wasn't just talking about to women. It says, wives in the same way be submissive to your husbands. And all the men said, amen. Amen. Okay. That was weak, but you were with me. Ladies, stay with me. We're going to hit on everybody. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they're not Christians, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. 
When they see the purity and the reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold, jewelry, and fine clothes. Those are okay, but instead it should be that of an inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth, great value in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their husbands. Now, I mentioned just a moment ago how our society is obsessed with beauty. And 2,000 years ago in Jesus' world, Paul's world, it was almost as bad or as worse. And to begin with women, the women in, in this day and age had very little rights. They couldn't run for public office. They couldn't be a priest. They couldn't function as a professional like ladies can today. So one of the things that almost became a hobby for them was, was beautifying themselves. And, and the passage when it talks about that they were adorning, it's literally like decorating a Christmas tree uh, is, is what it's saying here. And the ladies wore blonde wigs. They didn't have the dye to do their hair like we do today. They wore blonde wigs. They had, they had hair, their hair weaved sometimes with golden mats weaved in their hair. Seneca, who was a philosopher and a contemporary of Jesus, said many, many a woman wore a fortune in her two ears. The pearl earrings were kind of the hot item. So the ladies in this day and age were really into looking good. And again... That's not a problem until it becomes an overboard issue. It's not a problem until you think that if I just get pretty on the outside, that's going to make me really pretty. And God says that, that's just touching literally the surface of the real issue. Now, to go, go to chapter 2, and let's read verses 13 through 18. And this is where it talks to everybody. And this, this whole section goes together. Listen to what it says. It's not just talking to women here. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Verse 15, for it is God's will that by doing good, by being submissive to those you should, you will silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up For your evil, live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. And look at verse 18 when he says, Slaves, many slaves in this society, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. He's not condoning slavery, but he was telling these people, and I mentioned this last week, slavery was very common in the Roman world. It was very different than what we think of slavery was in America back 150, 200 years ago. But he tells these slaves, be respectful and submissive to your masters, even if they are jerks is basically what he is saying. So what he's saying here, women, we're just not picking on you. He's saying every person that is a, that's a God follower, Every person that wants to be attractive, truly in God's economy, it starts with you and I having a submissive spirit to the people that we should be submissive to. Now, let me say this. Everybody in here, we wear different hats. Sometimes we lead, sometimes we follow. That was a song in 1992. Life is a dance. You learn as you go. As you go. Sometimes you lead, sometimes you follow. And that's true in life. So what does it mean to be submissive? That's, that's the, the really important issue because a lot of times when people hear the word submissive, and I understand why, and I understand especially why women, they kind of freak out and they go, oh, 
he's telling me to be a doormat. He's telling me to be used and abused, maybe not physically, but at least symbolically in how I'm treated. Or isn't submissiveness just for the poor and the stupid? I mean, people who can't rise above or don't have the brain cells to move above. No, that's not it at all. Submissive, number one, is a voluntary choice. In other words, what I'm going to ask you to do, what God's asking you to do this morning, by placing yourself under the people you should be under, he's asking you to make that choice. Now, if you've ever been in the military, you didn't have a choice who you followed. At school, you don't have a real choice. I mean, you can fight your teachers and coaches, but that's not going to go well. And so you make, well, I, I, you know, I'm submissive because I have to be in certain areas of my life. I mean, if you have a good boss and you're not submissive, you're going to be fired, and you should be fired. But what God's talking about here with women, with their husbands, and talking about men and the areas in our lives where we're not leading, where we're to be under, he's saying, I want you to choose a heart of submissiveness because this is what's going to really make you attractive. Now, what is submissive? It's putting yourself under those you should be under. Very simply, it's putting yourself under, not as a doormat, not as a secondary being, but putting yourself as a follower to those that you should follow. Again, in chapter 2, verse 13, he broadens it. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king's And he mentions governors and other people. In chapter 3, verse 1, Submit yourself, ladies, to your husbands, so that if any of them don't believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Okay, if you're taking notes, submit is it's really not a bad word. It's talking about order is what it's talking about. It's talking about putting yourself under someone. It's talking about proper order. It's not talking about doormat. It's not talking about being abused. It's talking about putting yourself under the people in your life that you should be under. That's very simple what he's saying. Now, here's the catch. This applies to every single area of our life. Obviously, in chapter 3, he's dealing with the home. He says in the home, the husband is to be the leader. He's not supposed to be the dictator. He's not the, the absolute ruler. He's to be the leader, and the wife should be willing to put herself under his leadership. And then the children are supposed to be under the parents. It's been a weird thing in the last 20 years. When I was growing up, kids had no rights. We were just property. And now it's kind of flipped over where the kids are the CEOs and the kids are the ones running the the, the household. And, And in God's economy, mom and dad are the leaders and the young people are under the authority of their parents. Did you know that you're under the authority of your government leaders? When you get pulled over today for speeding going home, don't act like a jerk. If you were speeding, don't fight with a policeman. Be nice. Be submissive. Give him your driver's license and pay the ticket. And I guarantee you, when you see the price of the ticket you'll pay, you'll drive slower next time. But God calls us to be submissive to our government leaders. And Now, this is a qualifier. Obviously, unless someone tells you to do something that is against the Bible... God says, put yourself under. This goes to to at work. How do you think you're going to attractive at work if you claim to be a Christian and you're undermining your bosses? You're trying to 
undercut the people God has put over you at work. Well, God hasn't put that manager over me. God has placed order in our world and in our lives. Did you know in the church, the church is not supposed to be a free-for-all. If you know the Bible, it's tough to say because I'm a minister. God's put ministers to be servant leaders in the church. That people are supposed to willingly, not blindly, but willingly follow their leadership. If you're a young person, those teachers, those coaches, you are called to follow their leadership. I heard a great story. Tony Evans. Tony Evans is a pastor in Dallas, Texas. Tony Evans tells, it was talking about leadership and submission and how really we misunderstand it, but we all do understand it. Tony Evans was preaching at a Promise Keepers rally in the, in the 90s. Promise Keepers, many of you remember what Promise Keepers was. It was a big national men's movement. It's a really great thing. I mean, they would have 50,000, 60,000 men at some of these things. And he was preaching, and he was preaching on the man and the wife, on the husband leading and the, and the woman being submissive. Well, the NOW organization, which is the National Organization of Women, uh, showed up to protest. And so while Tony Evans is in there preaching, the NOW is outside picketing with signs about these males, these bullies, these bigots, the, these, you know, uh, their prejudice against their wife, yada, 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 yada. So Tony Evans says he's watching all this on TV. Then he steps outside in a commercial break, and he sees the, the president of NOW who is there. And as soon as the, she is on TV complaining about this leadership and domination, as soon as there's a commercial, she's calling all these people to her and saying, hey, you need to go do this. You need to go do this. Stop doing this. You're not doing this right. Do this differently. Get me something to drink. Do this, do that. He said she is protesting about submission and leadership, and here she's bossing around everyone under her as soon as the camera's off her. Life is about order, isn't it? Yes, pastor, it is. Heaven will all be equal. I'm not planning on going to hell, but I guess there will probably be some equalness too and misery. But life is, is about learning how to lead when you should lead and follow when you should follow. One of the things that's going to make you ugly or make you pretty is how submissive and how leadable your spirit is to other people. I love what a pastor in Dallas has said. I've heard him say it many times. You have to get under what you should get under before you can properly be over what you are to be over. Did you get that? See, everybody wants to be the leader. Everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to have their say. Everyone wants to call the shots. Here's what God says. God says, some places in life you are the leader. Others place you're the follower. And if in God's economy, if you're going to be over the ones you should be over properly, you first have to get under those you should be under. That's a good word. Well, how does it make us pretty? I want to share with you some things from this passage that happen when you have a submissive, leadable spirit at home, at work, and everywhere else. Here's the first thing. It leads to a purity of life. When, you, when, your, heart, when your heart says, I'm going to lead when it's time to lead, I'm going to follow when it's time to follow, you get a lot of the junk the garbage removed from your inner spirit. And in verse 2, again, all this flows from this submissiveness. When they see the purity and the reverence of your heart. That word purity there can mean outward purity or moral purity. But it also means an inward purity, a purity of heart. See, here's what God's saying. 
when you learn how to submit yourself to the leadership in your life and you have a leadable spirit, it's amazing how the manipulation, the backbiting, the undercutting, the scheming all disappear. See, God says when when you develop a, a leadable spirit, it develops a purity of heart in you. Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. See, here's one, how, how, one way it makes you attractive. It, it leads to a purity of heart. Here's, a, here's another thing. It leads to being a considerate and respectful of other people. You see, when, when you have the right spirit in here, you are not a jerk out there, Okay? None of you know what a jerk is. I'll explain that in a moment. We'll have some pictures on the screens for you to identify with. But when your heart is submissive and leadable, you are considerate and respectful of others. Verse 2 again, when they see the purity and the reverence of your life. And in verse 6, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him master. Men, go home today and insist your wife calls you master. That wouldn't be good, would it? Let me explain that because that's easy to look at that in the Bible and go, oh, 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 that Bible really is outdated. That was simply master then was head of the household. She, by, by her calling him master, she was acknowledging that he was the leader in the household. That wasn't like she was saying, oh, he is my master, my master. And that's not what that meant at all. And men, I do not advise that even in a joking way. I don't think that would go over very well. Here's what he was saying. He was saying to you ladies, he was saying, your husband may be really difficult at times. Now, I know very few men are difficult. Amen, brothers? But we occasionally may bend off. But if you can learn, even when we bend off, to follow us, that respect and that consideration really makes an impact. Now, men, let's go to verse 7. In verse 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Weaker partner is not intellectually, it's not spiritually, it's not mentally. He's just talking about physically. The truth is most men are physically more dominant than their wives. Treat her as a delicate vessel is what that's saying. Hey, she is an heir with you in the gift of eternal life. Men, put yourself who you should be under in your life. Here, you, you know part of the reason that women don't want to follow their husbands is they see that we don't follow people in our world. And you go home and you want your wife to follow you But she sees how you disrespect the police, how you disrespect the ministers, how you disrespect your kids' coaches, how you disrespect the people who are over you at work. And then you come home and you want a respectful, following wife and kids, and they are laughing in their spirit. Amen? It's amen whether you amen or not. It's right. And men, let me get a hold of this too. How can you treat your wife poorly and be upset when she's not submissive? First of all, if you physically abuse your wife, 
Here's my answer, 911. You need to go to jail. No questions asked. You want to hit a chick? Go to jail. Slap her around? Go to jail. Oh, I would never hit my wife. I just cuss her. <laughs> That's good. God really honors that. I'll stand before God someday and say, I never hit her. I just called her ugly names and pushed her around. But I never used Mr. Fist and his five friends on her. You cannot be a bully and a jerk and be upset because your wife doesn't want to follow you. Ladies, right? That is right. So see, men, it starts with us. It always starts with a leader. Get under who you should be under so you can lead those you should be over. And when you and I are under who we should be under, it's amazing how respectful and considerate we will be to other people. Here's the next thing. It leads to a gentle spirit. Love this. It's a great thing. Verse 4. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, this beauty, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Quiet doesn't mean you don't talk a lot. It just means you're not a troublemaker. Gentle. Jesus talks about gentle. Again, in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. No. See, when men hear meek, they think sissy. They think meek equals weak. But see, the biblical word meek there. And gentle is just the opposite of weak. In fact, what it literally means is strength under control. A meek person is someone who can knock your teeth in and who chooses not to. Not really a Sunday school definition, but that's a correct definition. It's the picture of a big horse, a big horse that's been tamed. It's so tame that you can put a little kid on it and and you can walk that kid with that horse never worrying about it being hurt. Listen, gentle people are attractive people. They really are. I get tickled at men who walk around. Okay, if you're tough, pull your chest in. You're tough without it bowed out. If you're not tough and it's bowed out, you're going to get your nose broke eventually. Pull your chest in. Okay? Humble yourselves. And it's amazing when you put yourself under the people you should be under be it at homework, wherever, how one of the things that comes from that is a gentle spirit. Men want a wife with a gentle spirit. We did not marry someone we wanted who was going to be, hey, one of the boys. We want a gentle wife. And women don't want their husband to be Brutus from the Popeye series either. Be gentle. And when you put yourself who you should be under, it's amazing how gentleness comes out. And listen, here's where it starts to come together. This is what wins people over. This is what will win people over. You see, God, God always has purposes in his commands for us. And not only are we going to see the attractiveness more in a moment, but look what it says in verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them don't believe they may be won over without words. I'm not going to read this again, but over in chapter 2, he says the same thing, talking to all of us, that when we have a, 
a submissive, leadable spirit, that is what brings people to Jesus Christ. Guys, you've got to use words to convince people, to help people come to Christ. But what he's saying here is so true, is that all your words with a rotten lifestyle is not going to win anybody. Ralph Waldo Emerson said it so well, what you are shouts so loud, I cannot hear what you say. Did you get that? What you are shouts so loud, I cannot hear what you say. And see, what he was telling these ladies, some of these ladies were married to men who were not Christians. And it would certainly work the other way around too. But what he was saying is, is you should pray for them. You should invite them to church. You should tell them about Jesus. But if you are a battle axe at home, your husband is not going to want that Jesus. He needs to see. Now, you're not going to follow him over God but that you are going to follow his leadership. That's what gives you an opportunity to help him come to Christ. You see, when a wife is that way to her husband, when a husband is that way, he's considered that way to his kids. When children are that way to parents, you got a mom or dad who's not a Christian. If you fight with them every turn of the way, you are not going to win them to Christ. You have a boss that you're trying to get to come to church and, and point him to Christ. But you're obstinate, you're difficult, you're hard to work with. He is not going to want to see you on Sunday. She's not going to want to see you on Sunday. They probably don't want to see you during the week. Part of the key to success, a submissive, leadable spirit gives you influence with the people you need influence with. And the last thing, it makes you attractive. It just makes you pretty. Let's look at verse 3 through 5 one more time. Because everybody here wants to be pretty. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Again, those things are okay, but that's not the main thing. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth. Listen, that means of tremendous value in God's eyes. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive and leadable to their own husbands. They were obsessed with beauty. So are we. Newsweek magazine a few years ago interviewed ladies 18 to 35, and 75% of them, when they were asked, are you overweight, said yes. That's not true. But the typical girl's going to think she's overweight. They asked women, if you could change something about yourself physically, would you? 99% of the women said they would. I'm going to bet 90% of us men would too. I mean, give me some more hair, trim a little off my nose, you know, chins, whatever. Because we still are stuck with the concept that if we just look pretty on the outside, we're pretty. I want you to hear this. All the weight loss, all the makeup, all the surgery can't hide real ugly. I mean, you can dress up a pig and put perfume on it, and you know what? It's still a pig. God says real beauty comes from within, and it's much more difficult to obtain. But you become a really pretty person. A really attractive man, when you learn to get under those in your life, God tells you to be under. 
when you have a submissive and leadable spirit. You know, I wonder this morning, I wonder this morning how many of us are missing blessings in our life because we refuse to get under the people God tells us to be under. I wonder how many of us are not near as effective and near as successful for God as we could be because we won't get under those God tells us to get under. And I wonder how many hidden beauties there are in this room today that if we just develop a submissive, leadable spirit, it'd pop out of us. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I want you to chew on what we've been talking about and decide in a few minutes what you need to do with what we've been talking about. If you're not a Christian, would you please this morning give your life to Christ? Where you're you're seated, would you just pray with me and say, Jesus, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I want to I want to turn from my sins today. Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and that you arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart this morning. And I ask you today to save me. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand in a moment. And I'm going to, really, I'm really encouraging you to respond to what God said to you this morning. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. Or maybe you're ready to do that. We'll have ministers down front. We'd love to help you with that. You give your life to Christ today. The first act of becoming a Christian is submitting yourself to Christ. Will you do that this morning? Maybe today you'd like to join our church family. We would love for you to do that. One way you can do it is just easing down the aisle. A minister will be waiting on you. You can join us this morning. Christian, maybe this morning, as you look at your life, you can honestly say, I'm not perfect, but I'm really trying to to be the leader and the follower God's called me to be. Amen. You keep it up. Maybe the truth is, though, this morning, that you haven't been the follower God wants you to be. Maybe this afternoon you need to make some phone calls. Catch somebody in the hallway or catch them tomorrow at work and apologize for not being the follower that you should be. Maybe this morning when we stand where you're standing at the altar, you need to repent and get that right with Christ. A whole lot depends on that. Let's stand and as we sing, respond to Jesus this morning. Just as